y'all. We're back for the season one finale on Queer Time Podcast. In the last episode of this season, Zach and Maddie are going to be discussing government and politics and its relationship with the LGBTQ community. With that, let's get into this. I know that this is a topic that we brought up a lot over the course of the podcast, but we just want to share a little bit more about our opinions on this. So Donald Trump's military ban against trans people came into effect on April 12, 2019. There are currently over 15,000 transgender Americans serving, and according to the BBC, this makes trans people more likely than the average American to serve. Although current trans people in the military are still allowed to serve, this is still just so dehumanizing. We keep bringing it up because of what it means. America is such a militaristic country that telling a trans person that they cannot enter in the military unless they serve as their birth sex is basically saying that they aren't American, that they aren't on the same level as any other citizen of this country. This further symbolizes the exclusion and othering of trans people from society as a whole, as they are being forced to choose between their identity as a trans person and their identity as an American with the ability to serve in the military. The American Medical Association itself has stated that there is no medically valid reason, including a diagnosis of gender dysphoria, to exclude transgender individuals from military service. Transgender service members should, as is the case with all personnel, receive the medical care they need. There is a global medical consensus about the efficacy of transgender health care, including treatment for gender dysphoria. Although many, including Pentagon spokesperson Carla Gleason, have said that it isn't a ban, it really is. You heard it from the American Medical Association, trans healthcare is just as important as any other healthcare. Denying them that is denying them a basic human right, and that's all there is to say. Although on a lighter note, Transgender people in Pakistan will now be able to serve as regular duty police officers, according to NBC. Now we're going to move on to talking about the Supreme Court. Let me ask you a question. What do a skydiving instructor, child welfare services coordinator, and a funeral home employee have in common? They were all fired for being LGBTQ. The Supreme Court has recently chosen to take on multiple cases related to LGBTQ rights, in particular workplace discrimination against the LGBTQ community. Whether or not a public or private institution is allowed to fire someone for being LGBTQ for either religious or any other the reason is still a contentious issue in modern times and varies statewide. There are currently 12 states across the United States that have no protections in place for workplace discrimination against LGBTQ people for either sexuality or gender identity. This applies to both public and private employment. According to CNBC, this means that half of the American LGBTQ population live in a state without any protections, and many have lost jobs because of it. Although there are currently over 20 states across the United States that prohibit discrimination against LGBTQ people for both public and private employment, cases of workplace discrimination can be found everywhere. Much of the debate centers around Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, first passed by Lyndon B. Johnson in 1964, and whether or not discrimination against the LGBTQ community applies. While there are those such as the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission that argue that the rights of LGBTQ people are included, others, most notably the Trump administration, have denied this. Should Title VII be taken literally? 55% of Americans, according to Pew Research Center, believe that the Supreme Court should not rule under a direct interpretation of the Constitution. So which is it? And more importantly, how likely is it that a vote will be taken in favor of the LGBTQ community? To answer the second question, slim. When he was questioned by Senator Cory Booker over whether or not he would fire an employee for being gay, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who was the most recent to join the Supreme Court, refused to give a straight answer, no pun intended. The Supreme Court has a conservative majority, and although not all conservatives oppose LGBTQ rights, I think it's safe to say that for now, all we can do is hope for the best and vote for leaders who care. The 2020 election is right around the corner, and we need to make sure that we elect a president who is willing to protect LGBTQ rights and human rights as a whole. And that leads us into our next topic. Pete Buttigieg is the first openly gay man to announce his run for presidency. If he were to win, he'd be the youngest president since JFK and the first millennial president to take office. His sexuality has been a major popularity point, especially in the LGBTQ community, but who is he exactly? Today, I'm going to be giving you a brief rundown about everything that we think you should 
didn't know about him. Afterwards, we'll share our opinion regarding his pros, cons, and ideas regarding controversial subjects. Pete Buttigieg is currently 37 years old and didn't come out until he was 33. He married his husband, teacher Chastin Guzman, in the summer of 2018. Reminder that you should wait to come out for as long as you need to and should only do it when you feel most comfortable. After all, there's no such thing as too late when it comes to being who you are. Buttigieg is a graduate of Harvard University and the University of Oxford. He would be the first mayor to make the direct transition to office if he were to win the presidency. He's a military veteran as he served in the Afghanistan war. He's been the mayor of South Bend, Indiana since 2012. The main focus of his tenure as mayor in South Bend was infrastructure and redevelopment. He announced that he would not go for a third term in December 2018 and would later announce his run for candidacy on April 14, 2019. But more on this later. He's religious and currently identifies as Episcopalian Christian. Zach apparently thinks that this is hard to say, but when you go to an Episcopalian middle school like me, you get used to saying it. Buttigieg is living proof that you can be LGBTQ and religious too. Buttigieg said in the past that his religious values have shaped his moral ones and that his marriage has only made his faith stronger. During his time on The Ellen Show, he said that, although he's religious himself, he does have a quote, a problem with religion being used as a justification to harm people. This comment was made in reference to Vice President Mike Pence, who has long been a supporter of conversion therapy on LGBT youth. Buttigieg has been significantly rising in the polls. According to Vox, he's currently third in the polls in Iowa and New Hampshire. Many people probably haven't even heard of him before, let alone would have expected him to be right behind Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden in the presidential race. However, he still has a long way to go if he wants to win the presidency. Currently, there's 21 Democrats, two Republicans vying for the seat with possibly more to come. Buttigieg speaks eight languages, but isn't fluent in all of them. Among them include Arabic, Spanish, French, Norwegian, Dari, Italian, and English, according to CNN. Recent news involving him has involved a right-wing troll who staged a sexual assault against Pete as part of a smear campaign. But according to the Daily Beast, this has been in the making for a while. It would involve the accuser giving a press conference where he would publicly make his accusations about Booty Jake. The source said Wool and Berkman seemed to want him to figure out many of the details, including a window of time during which he and Booty Jake were both in Washington when the fabricated offense may have occurred. So now that you have the rundown, let's discuss his pros, cons, and opinions on controversial subjects. Pros. I think every fact we've shared about him so far is a pro. He's very passionate about his vision for America. His good education and ability to speak many languages demonstrate that he is a qualified candidate. He's very charismatic, which is also a plus, and it would be great to have some young blood in the White House. Many also hope that as a gay man, he understands LGBTQ struggles and will enact policies protecting LGBTQ people and rights. But of course, all candidates have flaws. Let's move on to some of the cons. According to an article published by CNBC, some of the poor, predominantly African Americans and Latinos living in South Bend, Indiana, were disappointed with his mayor tenor. One man, CJ Neely, said that, quote, things look the same every time I walk here. However, he said that he recognizes that Buttigieg is trying. However, Polls show that 86% of those living in South Bend say that Buttigieg is leading the city on a right track. But as CNBC notes, there's still a major racial wealth divide in the city. 24-year-old Sean White, who lives in South Bend, inquired, How is he going to run the whole country if you can't even get your city right first? There were also criticisms directed towards his Thousand House program, with one-fourth of children living in the city having increased levels of lead in their blood, clouds of dust appearing near the demolition sites, as part of the Thousand Houses program, have posed a danger to their health. As a politician, it's expected that Buttigieg would have ideas regarding controversial subjects. Let's talk about some of his personal opinions. 
Buttigieg is one of the few Democratic candidates who support Israel, and has said that he thinks Israel should be seen as a role model for the U.S. According to the news site Mondowis, Pete Buttigieg views Israeli security measures as moving. His exact words were, There's a sense there that no matter what challenges there are in the community or in the society, they can't wait for security issues to be solved. People live their lives, they're pretty clear-eyed about what goes on around them. I think there's a risk that Israel could come to be regarded as a partition issue, and I think that would be really unfortunate. Israeli versus Palestinian rights is one of the hottest topic of debates, and it and has been for years now. Buttigieg will definitely face opposition if he enacts a foreign policy in favor of the Israeli, as even the Human Rights Watch has called out Israel for its discriminatory treatment against Palestinians. Lastly, let's talk about his stance on vaccines. A couple weeks ago, he said that he believes exemptions from vaccines can be made for philosophical and religious reasons. With recent outbreaks of measles across the globe brought back into various countries because of so-called anti-vaxxers, there have been a lot of backlash regarding this statement. However, according to CNN, the next day, he rebounded on his stance and now opposes it. Yet, why are we still bringing this up? Because it demonstrates that he at least isn't aware of everything that he's talking about. I think that's the one downside to being such a young candidate. He might need more experience. Overall, I think that we can all agree that Pete Buttigieg has a potential to be a great president, but we'll just have to wait and see. Although us peeps on Queer Time Podcast will not be able to vote at the next presidential election, we hope that you will take this information and decide for yourselves who to vote for in the 2020 election. In a quote by Buttigieg, he said, The forces of change in our country today are tectonic. Forces that help to explain what made this current presidency even possible. That's why, this time, it's not just about winning an election, it's about winning an era. Thank you for listening to this episode of Queer Time Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please don't be afraid to email us. Also, please help us grow by telling your friends about us. This is the final episode of Season 1, but don't worry, we have big plans for Season 2, and it will be airing next school year, so stay tuned for that. We'll also be releasing our first Get to Know Us episode in the next few weeks as an exclusive extra for Season 1. Just a reminder that you can listen to any of our episodes in any order you want. We won't judge. It's been a wild journey, folks, but we promise that Season 2 will be worth the wait. With that, have a wonderful rest of your day, and thank you for listening to Queer Time Podcast. Thank you.